1: E. fantasy football podcast. Uh, part of Fake Teams Podcast Network. Brought to you by SB Nation. I am the conductor of the Devin Funches Hype Train. Will Overdraft Nikhil Harry and your humble host, Pete Rogers, joined by all of the guys, more or less. We have DK Metcalf's number one admirer, proponent for Jon Snow Hair product line, and Mr. Independent Drinker Clark Barnes. Elsenika, yeah, lover of all men in the trenches, and working girl Jordan Smith and on and off who knows if he'll how regularly he'll be on the podcast today as his internet seems to randomly cut cut him out the world's biggest 49ers fan somehow managed to wait 2 weeks to see game of thrones without spoiling it the ginger woodsman nick underscore underscore something else you won't remember guys who is excited for the nba lottery
2: not me my favorite basketball team is still in the playoffs so yeah well i, I don't really care
0: <laughs> yeah i don't care at all
1: Good thing for a fantasy football podcast. <laughs> I'm, wearing, I'm wearing as much Celtics gear as I possibly can in the vain attempt, in the vain hope that it somehow magically makes the Kings get the fourth overall pick, uh, which then goes to the Celtics, even though they have a 98% chance of getting staying at number 14 overall. So fingers crossed that somehow magically the Celtics come away with the fourth overall pick and the ninth overall pick if the Memphis Grizzlies fall down. So uh, Yeah. That's what I have going for here since since none of you guys care about anything other than football, which
3: is why you're on the Fantasy Football Podcast. I care about things other than football, just not the Warriors playing the Fighting LeBrons every year.
1: Mm. Hey, the Fighting LeBrons didn't even make the playoffs this year. Yeah.
3: yeah. Good job, LA. You did the one thing the rest of the NBA couldn't <laughs> do for the past 15 years. <laughs>
1: The Lakers should hang a banner for that. Their greatest accomplishment in the last 10 years is keeping LeBron out of the playoffs. Is that
3: the only team he's been on that hasn't made the playoffs? Didn't he go right away in Cleveland? When he, he was like there, was a, there
1: was a Cleveland team that I think missed the playoffs
3: at some point,
1: but I but I can't recall. But it's certainly in the last 15
3: years. We uh, get our cousin basketball pro- uh, podcast to look at. We that do up need for. a cousin. I've
1: been thinking about it. I've been thinking about doing it with with are the only fantasy basketball writer on the site, Natty Wallach, who who maybe has free time to do it. We'll see. Um, but yeah, uh, fake team stats and information get to us. We've got lots to talk about, uh, some mild NFL news, and then we're going to celebrate the summer with summer blockbusters and and talking about the 2019 NFL season as in terms of movie plots. And then I have explicitly requested that we do Game of Nick tonight because I have lots of things to get off my chest uh, and defend my girl, Danny for her life choices. But for some NFL news, uh, it went down last week. We have talked about it, I believe, two weeks ago on the podcast, but the Seahawks have officially released Doug Baldwin, uh, likely ending his NFL career. And while I or Clark or Jordan could speak to Baldwin's influence in our fantasy leagues and how much we enjoyed watching him as a player, I figured we'd turn... To lifelong Seahawks fan and now 49ers fan, Ginger Nick, to uh, give us the full breakdown of what Doug Baldwin meant to the city of Seattle and how his departure is resonating with him.
0: Thanks, Pete. Um, it's a <laughs> bummer, man. Um, the, the dude's a baller, and, and it's it's really sad that he wasn't able to, uh, as you know I'm going to say, get with a team that would throw him the ball in first. Um, but I threw together some of my favorite moments, um, top mm, three to be exact. Um, I'm phoning it in for number three and just listing all of his Sandlot plays with Russell Wilson, um, generally speaking on third down. They had some form of mind meld um, that I, I would equate with like Aaron Rodgers and, and Devontae Adams, um, really any great quarterback and his, his go-to guy. Uh, they just seemed to, uh, despite the play call, pull something out. And uh, it, it was always fun to watch. Um, the second greatest moment in Doug Baldwin history. Sorry, I didn't give you more of a, an intro like that on the last one was, uh, one of his six touchdown passes that he threw, which I did not realize he had that many in his career that might, I wouldn't be surprised if that's a record, um, for receivers, but he did this like bread basket over the shoulder pass on a flea flick or not a flea, but, uh, like a fake handoff. Uh, from Russell Wilson back to Russell Wilson for like a 30-yard touchdown, and that was that was I think 2016 um, against the Eagles. But uh, he had another one against I want to say the Chiefs. I can't remember anyway. the The Doug Baldwin passing TDs were always uh, a lot of fun. But the 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 biggest Doug Baldwin moment for me was in 2015. Uh, wild card game against the Vikings in sub freezing temperatures. And it was a third and long. And he, he holds in this one handed pass over the middle and takes a hit while he's doing it. But it, it was just like, I, it was Spider-Man. It was, it was incredible. So I, if it, if you're interested, go look up wild card game, 2015 Vikings, Doug Baldwin, one handed catch and you'll find it. It's, it's amazing. And I think it exemplifies everything about him.
1: I don't remember that exact play, but I remember that game. My friend was at that game, and just any any kind of like sports action in sub freezing temperatures is really hard. Any kind of athletic endeavor is impossible then, uh, let alone trying to catch a football that weighs a ton and catching it with one hand and then taking a big hit. Doug Baldwin, I think, is will go down as maybe one of the more underappreciated receivers of this kind of like era um he was someone who on an offense that maybe had a little more passing acumen would have put up monster numbers but he was routinely a top 10 wide receiver in both fantasy and i'd say in real world um for you know the last better part of the last decade uh so i think it, it sucks that his career ends because of injury and not because of his play declining
0: Unless he's already been, I haven't seen him announce his retirement, and I would not be surprised if he fights tooth and nail um, to make a comeback with another team. Like, when Carroll announced that they were releasing him, he said he had just come from talking to Baldwin in the weight room.
1: Yeah. No, I I mean, he's only 30 years old, I think, which is still pretty young. I mean there's still a few years left in an in NFL career for someone of his age. Um, yeah. And I wouldn't be surprised either if he took a year off and then maybe fought to get into shape and really kind of keep himself off, kind of out of injury trouble and then coming back for a team. I mean, who says no to him signing for the Patriots with the, uh, for the postseason run this year, <laughs> you know, it's going to happen. And all of a sudden Doug Baldwin's going to become the perfect slot receiver that we all knew he was.
3: Yeah. He'll be missed. It's always nice when undrafted guys have a big impact in the NFL, it's probably one of the toughest jobs to get and one of the easiest jobs to lose. And when every team says they're not interested, you know, seven times, I think it's really cool when someone uh, does that. I think he's kind of the Arian Foster of undrafted wide receivers. And I think he was, you know, one, unfortunately a man a little before his time with his skill set that the NFL has really started to embrace now. And then two, he played for an offense that really just, wasn't wasn't incredibly interested in utilizing his skills uh, because of the other things that they were able to do.
2: Yeah, you hate to see a receiver of Doug Baldwin's caliber just kind of be relegated to a team that just does not want to pass the ball or utilize him to his full extent, and that well, you know, that extends to the quarterback as well. I'm not sure if as long as um, Russell Wilson's in Seattle with Pete Carroll, if we'll ever get to see the full. Kraken being unleashed of what Russell Wilson can be. But Doug Baldwin was one of those skillful receivers and really helped define what the Seahawks were doing for the past couple of years, and that's really hitting on their draft picks and uh, making it all count to make those deep playoff runs. Um, yeah. And he's he's like the last vestige of that.
1: Uh, also in the news, the Patriots have further bolstered their offense, signing Ben Watson and uh, Dontrell Inman, not only signing Ben Watson, convincing him that actually, you know what, you don't want to retire. You want to come play in New England, finish your career winning another Super Bowl. I know I'm the biggest Pats fan here, but uh am I crazy to say that I'm low-key in on Watson? He's three years removed from an 800-plus yard season with six touchdowns with Drew Brees. I mean who's to say in an offense that loves their tight ends, that doesn't really have a number one tight end, Watson can't uh, rekindle some of his old New England magic with Thomas. And uh, maybe we put together another decent 500 plus yard season with uh, five touchdowns. I
0: I can see that going down <laughs> with Watson, but I, I really Clark, think people are is shaking
3: on. his head in disgust. I, I, I can Patriots see a little... man. Like, why do you get everything?
1: <laughs> there you go. Like, Cause we're geniuses.
3: Every, I mean, it, it, odds are this isn't going to work out. Yeah. Like, it, we've gotten excited about so many players going to the Patriots, and I, I think they they shoot for volume, and good for them. And boy, they're good at it. Uh, but just it, at some point, why do the Patriots always get to be excited about everything? Why can't we have a little love for Patriots South, Patriots East, Patriots West? Because y'all don't do shit. It's stupid. I don't. This football's stupid. <laughs>
2: I believe I picked Ben Watson last season on the podcast as like a sleeper streaming option for tight end, and he didn't do shit. So <laughs> so you're uh, doing
1: bringing it back two years in a row. <laughs> I,
2: no, you know what? I, I actually think that if Ben Watson really couldn't put together a strong fantasy season with New Orleans in a dome with the way they pass the ball, I'm not sure that he's going to do that in New England. I think New England's going to use him more as a blocking Type of threat and to pick up a championship.
1: Yeah, that could be fair. Uh, the Donchell Inman one, I saw that he kind of had an sur- assert resurgence with the Colts and their offense. Clark, you're AFC South, and you're bemoaning the fact that no one talks about the AFC South. Here's your chance to
3: talk. Oh, about let's, let's talk about some talent in the <laughs> division. Great. Uh, I think Inman will probably make the team. And when you're talking about the Patriots, that's a that's a compliment. He's he's pretty good. I wouldn't waste a ton of draft or I wouldn't spend a lot of draft capital on him, but he's a very serviceable number three wide receiver who can do some, some pretty special things. So I I think he'll make the team and, you know, give us 35 catches for like 400 yards and a touchdown.
0: Yeah. I I could see 35 catches coming, um, coming from him. You, You guys have like a low key loaded receiving core.
1: Well, Loki loaded. I think is is like if everything hits, sure. Like we have your your Julian Edelman is a lock. You know what he's going to do. You're hoping that Nikhil Harry comes into a widely regarded comp like heavily complexed. Offense that people take a long time to pick up and instantly becomes Tom Brady, like instantly gets Tom Brady's favor. And so Brady's willing to throw to him, which is something that hasn't really been proven. You're hoping that Demarius Thomas has repaired AC, or Achilles at the age of 300 years old. Is going to hold up, and he's going to be able to, you know, be able to be some of the person that he was with Josh McDaniels when he drafted him. You're hoping Dontrell Inman can build upon a season that he had with the Colts, and maybe continue to be that. Philip Dorsett, God knows what you're getting with him, despite the fact that he's the greatest receiver in football right now. And fingers crossed, and prayers up for Josh Gordon for getting his life together and maybe coming back. So there's, yes, on paper, if everything like roll goes Patriots. Be a dangerous deadly receiving core but i could also very easily see julian edelman getting 300 targets and 200 catches and no one else catching a football
0: but i, I what i'm so surprised is is everyone sleeping on the, the the tight end depth chart like austin Severian jenkins is a legit nfl tight end matt lacoste is a promising nfl tight end stephen anderson was a receiver he was a like 240 pound receiver in college You guys can whiff on two or three of them, and you're still going to have a starting caliber NFL tight end to throw to.
3: When did you take Steven Anderson from us?
0: (laughs) I I was wondering if that was (laughs) going (laughs)
3: to spare the (laughs) pot.
0: When did that happen? I don't know.
3: It just did? Oh. Coming for you. Probably a seventh round trade in the draft. Patriots earlier. I like Steven Anderson. God. Stupid Patriots. Uh, So I have an interesting question. I know know we always like to talk about the Patriots uh, passing game, and we should because Tom Brady used to be really good. We can make a (laughs) play or two now. Uh, The Ravens led the NFL last year with 547 rushing attempts. How likely do you think it is that we see the Patriots do something like 600 rushing attempts? A team famous for zigging when everyone else is zagging. They keep drafting running backs. They – they continue to shrink the field. When everyone else is going lighter and faster, they've decided, well, okay, well, we're going to go bigger than you, and we're just going to run the ball down your throat. The the Pats are usually a top five or ten rushing attempts team. They, they were, yeah,
0: but, 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 who's
1: the, but they're definitely going to. Do, I could see them just being like our entire offense is going to be built predicated on the running game. We have uh, Sonny Michelle, who's can hit the home run ball, and can run between the tackles, but also can has the speed and agility to get to the outside. You've got James White, who's always kind of a dual threat, who's shown propensity for being able to run the football. And now you have Damian Harris, who's like the inside between the t- tackles thumper, uh, and sexy Rexy Burkhead. Who? Thank you. Burkhead's going not to be on the me. team. No, Burkhead's going to get cut. Sorry, Nick. Uh,
0: okay. Well, I hate both of you.
3: <laughs> play for Detroit. It'll be cool. Ooh!
1: Don't, there you don't, go. don't. There's a backfield that actually could use. Uh, Don't put that evil on Rex. Yeah. Oh, I'm in it now. Um, yeah, I'm not. I'm not against them. And then just having Brady do a bunch of play action, which is something that he does super well. He loves doing play action and having the defense a lot easier to read and picking them apart that way.
3: I can get behind it. I can dig. Are we? Are we done with Patriots? Uh, Patriot sure, we dog. can be done with Patriots, uh. Scott <laughs> Um, so there you go. There's your NFL news. That's all
1: I had on the docket. Uh, we're in the kind of that that lull, obviously, with no with uh, with no news and nothing really going on of, of much excitement. So uh, we were thinking that maybe we spice things up, have a little fun. It's the summer. The summer has started. It's a time for blockbuster movies. You got Detective Pikachu coming out. Endgame is out. The terrible Sonic movie that looks like a uh, bowel movement of someone who ate too many blueberries is out. And yes, I did look up to see what food makes your poop blue so that joke could land perfectly. Uh, you're welcome, everyone. Uh, so we thought we would, we would go through, predict the 2019 NFL season. Uh, we each have selected a couple of teams that we're going to talk about, and we're going to predict how their season plays out uh, using the plot of movies. Uh, and I'll start since I came up with this idea and since we have a history of not... Fully understanding the rules until someone gives you an example, but
3: I'm right here, Pete.
1: (laughs) I figure if I do a read through, we'll, uh, we'll see how we go. So my first team that I'm going to talk about is the Miami Dolphins and the Miami Dolphins 2019 season uh, is going to be perfectly dictated by the film Becca's favorite movie, uh, how to lose a guy in 10 days. Starring the Dolphins management as uh, Andy Anderson, who is played by Kate Hudson, and uh, Josh Rosen playing Ben Barry, who's played by Matthew McConaughey. Now, for those who don't know what the the film is about, Andy, uh, Kate Hudson, is set up to make her date fail, whereas Ben uh, is set up to make the date work. That's the whole point of the, the movie is... Andy is supposed to be like how to lose a guy in 10 days for a magazine that she writes for. And Ben is like, you can't take that girl to prom or something like that. Um, And so while he's trying in the relationship, she's trying to undermine the relationship. Now, the Dolphins spent the entire offseason tanking to get themselves a franchise quarterback in the draft. But they landed Josh Rosen, who's there to prove that he's a starting caliber quarterback in the league. So the Dolphins will spend the season making it hard for Joshy Poo-Poo, Poo-Poo-Poo-Poo, to to succeed Monday night against the Steelers. Josh Rosen is ready to show the world that he's a franchise quarterback, only to have Brian Flores tell him he'd really love to run the football right now. And if Rosen could go get him checked down, that would be great. Uh, He's going to constantly, this constant hot and cold will force Rosen to wonder if the Dolphins are some kind of mental team. And ultimately, though, Kate Hudson and Matthew McConaughey realize that they are indeed in love and they get along swimmingly. And so will the Dolphins and Rosen. They will realize that they are perfect for each other and that the team doesn't need a franchise quarterback anymore because they've had one all
3: along. (laughs) Either you should have gone last or my effort on this podcast is going to be especially poor. Yeah, it's going to get different. (laughs) that was really good pete oh thank you even though i didn't know what that movie was other than something i fortunately never had a girlfriend make me see that was impressive thank
1: you it makes sense i just think i think that josh rosen is is on a quest right he's on a mission to show that he is a franchise quarterback and that the cardinals made the mistake of getting rid of him and i think the dolphins have fallen into this kind of situation where it's like, look, we've built our whole offseason tanking, preparing to tank, getting rid of good players, you know, setting ourselves up to have the worst record in the league in order to draft a quarterback. And I think that they're going to quickly discover that Josh Rosen actually is a very capable starting quarterback and could be their franchise quarterback. And that maybe instead of drafting Tua and then trying to trade Josh Rosen yet again, that actually they really like what they have in him. And he works in that offense. He's, you know, he's a lot of people connected him to the Patriots when he came into the league because of the kind of offense that he's comfortable running and, and the kind of throws that he can make and the anticipation he can have. And I would assume I can't neither confirm nor deny, but I would assume Brian Flores coming from the Patriots staff would implement a similar type kind of offense in Miami. Uh, and I think Josh Rosen has a real chance to thrive down
2: there. Not to mention Josh Rosen just looks like a leading man in a rom-com anyway. Exactly. I, I like the comparison. It's it's always, you know, the person that you have uh near and dear to you already that that should be the option to go with. Yeah.
1: Why why force the relationship?
2: Just settle. Just settle. <laughs> Just settle. That's Is the that's message right you exactly. Just settle. Life
1: lessons. <laughs> um, all right. I'm now very excited to hear what you guys have in store. <laughs> Uh, Clark, let's start with you. What is, what's your team and what film is their 2019 season?
3: Okay, so my segment is going to be <laughs> Nicholas Cage themed, yes. and I I picked two teams at random and then found it very hard to think of a movie uh, that reminded me of them. But here we go. Uh, so this is a really this, this Bills team I think is a really underrated squad. Their defense had some really great moments last year. They added to it this off season. I think Sean McVeigh is a good coach, and I think that this is going to be one of those teams that everyone kind of sleeps on early. But with time, we start to realize what an incredibly fantastic team it is, much like Con Air is an incredibly fantastic Nicolas Cage movies. We've got our leading man, Josh Allen. We've got Steve Buscemi in there doing stuff and then several others in the movie. Uh, relative unknowns, much like everyone on The Bills, I think you're going to put in a stellar performance for us this year.
1: I love that. Con Air is an excellent film. And if you have not seen it, you immediately should go watch it because it's incredible.
3: I I should I feel really small going after yours. Yours was really good, Pete. Thank you, Clark. <laughs> but this was
1: great, too. You had a, This is a perfect comparison. I, uh, I am on board with this. The only thing I would request, Clark... Uh, And I can't I haven't seen it recently enough to be able to conjure up uh, a this exactly. Is there anyone who dies early in the movie? Because Dave Chappelle gets shot at some point. Yeah, Dave
2: Chappelle gets shot and like thrown from the plane. (laughs) Let's vote that to be LeSean McCoy so we can get him out of the season
1: early.
3: I I would just like to go on record and say I do not want LeSean McCoy to be shot or hurled from a plane, you know, traded to the Jets maybe. It's about the,
2: the meanest thing I could do. <laughs> <laughs> to just sit behind Le'Veon Bell as Le'Veon Bell gets 600 carries. That at least has something to do with a plane. So There you go. Hey, good work. Oh, he gets God. thrown to the jets <laughs> instead of off, the, off a plane. He gets
1: thrown to a plane. That works. Uh, I love it. I'm all bored with that.
2: I do want to say that Con Air is a perfect movie and is always very good and fun to watch. And I think the Bills will be pretty fun to watch this season. I think they've had a pretty good off season, and they're not going to be. I mean, Josh Allen's a little bit of a wild card, but so is Nicolas Cage, you know? So uh, it, it could be a disaster, but it also could be a really good movie be, with really
0: great hair. Incredible. Do, doesn't, doesn't he have like a dirty teddy bear that he carries around with him? It's his daughter. It's, it's yeah. a <laughs>
1: bunny. It's right, a they,
0: buddy. Okay,
2: there we yeah, go. Who is his bunny?
1: Brainstorm, who his bunny is? John Brown. <laughs> oh, let's hope. <laughs> Fingers crossed that That's he just perfect. carries John Brown. Uh, Jor- uh, Jordan, who's your first team in movie?
2: Okay, so um, this is a little confusing because rather than just a, a singular movie, I picked the New Orleans Saints to kind of be the accumulation of a franchise here. Um so I picked the Saints as John Wick. Um, I have, for the record, I haven't seen the third one yet, so I'm just kind of speculating. But I'm building up to this because over the past couple seasons, I think their uh, their season has resembled the John Wick franchise. Um, so Ju- Drew Brees is John Wick. Um, you know who was? I feel like pretty prepared to be resigned to a life of high stats and playing with his dog in New Orleans. Um, Up until the city got hungry for another Super Bowl. So it's the classic, you know, uh, deadly assassin has to do one last job. Uh, The first movie or season ended with the Minnesota Miracle, a.k.a. the Vikings killing New Orleans dog. Um, Then the last season, uh, the Rams and the referees, a.k.a. What's his name? Ian McShane and the other assassins in the guild, they're cashing a marker on the Saints and they uh, they kind of took some shots at the Saints in their own Continental Hotel, a.k.a. the Mercedes-Benz Dome. And now it feels like they have one last movie this season, really, um, to put together a Super Bowl run with Halle Berry and actually deliver a championship because at the end of the season, I think it's either win or figure something else to do. Maybe Sean Payton has to go. Maybe they have to blow it up. Maybe they have to draft a rookie QB to wait in the wings. So this is the, uh, this is a third and final stretch for the saints. I feel like
3: that's damning with faint praise. Uh, Does
2: Halle Berry have lines in John Wick three? Oh, she has lines and like oh. from the commercials, like two killer attack dogs.
3: Nice. The movie's doomed. Drew Brees is gonna go down early. It's gonna be a lost year for the Saints.
1: We need just we need to cast uh, Bobon, and what NFL team is about to get book stomped by by Drew Brees? <laughs> Gosh,
2: who is who is the Bobon? <laughs> Tampa Bay. <I, I> <laughs> just... <laughs> uh. That's perfect. That's
1: perfect because you needed you needed to encompass the uh, the two the Minnesota Miracle and the Referee Gate, and and he did it expertly. Thank you. All right, Nicholas, your twenty nineteen team and the movie.
0: Uh, team number one is. Uh, we'll see if I can uh, square peg this.
1: <laughs>
0: square <laughs> runway. 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 Let's,
3: let's do this. this i have laid the runway for you nick please
0: <laughs> um, so i'm going with um, for my first team Arizona Cardinals and the imitation game where cliff kingsbury will crack the code or they it's better to Cumberbatch saved us from the nazis by cracking their codes um, through his uh, through Kingsbury. <laughs> this is so bad, this I can't is, see your face. This this, this notes paints up.
1: a very upsetting end to Cliff Kingsbury NFL career. So here's the thing. <laughs> For anyone who sees this movie, he's going to use science
0: to defeat the the Nazis, basically, which <laughs> is portrayed by the NFL. Um, Kyler Murray is the love interest who isn't actually the love interest, and then. That's where the movie ends in this situation. We're not going to go we're not going <laughs> to conclude the, where
1: yeah. Benedict Cumberbatch gets killed for being gay.
0: <laughs> yeah, castrated first.
1: Yeah, we're we're going to we're going to stop. It's the first half of Imitation Game. It
0: was, it, it, yeah, it's just that he's he's a scientist of football <laughs> and he's going to win. Did they sure. try to
3: sell a love story between him and like some sexy assistant in that game? What? In that movie? Here at Here it, I
1: don't think they did.
3: They got married. Oh, oh, but that's
0: and, just, that
1: was just for appearances' sake, right?
0: Wh- yeah. Oh,
1: because he he doesn't really. Um, I had saw this movie once a long time ago, and it was incredible. And Benedict Cumberbatch was phenomenal in it. But he kind of realizes he's gay later in the, his life. Well, he he I, he, he admits
0: to her, and she's like, he, "I don't know. That's why okay. we don't like have sex, and we're married." <laughs> and he's like, "All right, cool.
1: You love me?" She's
3: like, "Of course."
1: Okay. I'm misremembering this film.
3: I didn't know no. the story. I'm, I'm kind of curious how they've turned this into a popular movie, uh, dancing around all of the horribleness. They don't oh, they, dance. They, they steer right yeah. into
0: the I am dancing around it. Yeah. I I okay. being terrible we and to
1: dance around it. The movie does not. The movie is phenomenal. If you haven't seen it, I would highly recommend it. Benedict Cumberbatch and Keira Knightley are both incredible in it. Uh, but they do not dance around the uh, the
3: sad parts of it. Wonderful. Poor Cardinals They just, oof. Steve Kine, one last time. And it rhymes.
1: Oh! Um, All right, before we go into our second teams, let's quickly take a break uh, for some advertisements. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time the roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th.
3: Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com.
1: And we're back. Okay, Uh, I'll save mine for last. We'll go in reverse order this time. Uh, so that so that the second round uh, will just do that. Perfect. Nicholas, start us off again. Okay,
0: so I'm back up, and this time I'm going to keep the window open and not clog it up with my notes so I can see you guys reacting to my tomfoolery. All right, uh, team number two is the Seattle Seahawks. The movie, this is going to be tough. This is uh, Charlie Wilson's War, where Charlie Wilson was a, uh, a representative of the state of Texas, who profiteered off of the Afghan proxy war by selling um, guns that he had a financial stake You're in. You're picking some real dark movies. Yeah, to, to, to the Afghani Mujahideen. All right, so how did I tie this in? Pete Carroll is Charlie Wilson. Um, he's, he's using his... Uh, he's basically like his propaganda thing of like, Oh, we have to do this one thing. It's it's fight the the Soviets or, Oh, it's, we have to establish the run game and it's coming at the cost of everyone else involved. Well, he then profits off of the selling of these shitty 22 millimeter cannons and the oil being sold in the war via Pakistan. And that (laughs) is Russell Wilson saving him. But Pete Carroll gets the credit. Does that make any sense? Or should we move on? It made so much sense in my notes. If I actually just read my notes, it would be much better. But anyway, fuck Charlie Wilson.
2: Next one. This season is going to be bu- a <laughs> for everyone. There's
1: a lot, a lot of shit going to go down this NFL season. The metaphor makes sense. The, though. Bill, the Bills are great. The Bills are a bunch of convicts in an airplane. Uh, at least the Dolphins have are, have romance. This is this is great. This is great.
3: It was so much better in my head. We are, we are <laughs> a beard hair away from a politics podcast. I, you know, we can talk about this all night.
1: Yeah, yeah. We're, we're we're flirting with it. We're flirting with it. For you I,
3: younger uh, listeners, you may remember uh, or not when America actually funded all the Afghans because you know the the enemy of my enemy is my friend. Maybe we should stop doing that. Okay, and back to football. <laughs> And
1: our ad break We've returned from our ad break there um, Yeah, I have not seen Char- Charlie Wilson's war So I can't speak to uh, to the connection But it's it not a good
0: it's, It portrays him really favorably Which is how, how Pete The Carole media is. portrays Pete Carroll Who's yeah. in it? Uh, Tom Hanks Yeah. Oh really? Yeah, he's Charlie Wilson oh. Oh. Philip Seymour Hoffman
1: Damn Oh, well This is actually a good movie then
0: It will make you think that what he did was good
1: Mm, and your point is that it's not good.
0: No, he's he's profiting off of the success. Uh, I mean, yeah, I, we, do we need to get into this? No, no,
2: I get it. Yeah. now. I get it. I'm on. The, I'm, I I understand. I understand the connection you're drawing. Yeah, Tom Hanks has never played a good guy. I'm, just, I'm just kidding. He, he, he exclusively Woody, Woody good from
1: guys. Toy Story
2: is straight up evil. You
3: guys, for the job,
2: the the detective from. Angels and Demons or whatever? Yeah. The Vinci Code. Yeah, he was a con man in the Killers? It was, it was
1: really Pat Bettany, or Paul Bettany, who is who is the good guy in the, in that movie. Catch me uh-huh. if you
3: can, bad guy. <laughs> what he did to Meg Ryan in Sleepless in Seattle <laughs> is unforgettable. <laughs> my mom loves that movie.
1: Oh, God damn it. Uh, all right, Jordan, your second team and movie.
2: Oh, so my second team is the New York Football Giants. And my, unfortunately, my movie picks aren't as creative as Nick's. So <laughs> I'm staying with a little bit more recent pop culture history. The Giants 2019 season is ending up like um, the Avengers Infinity War. Don't worry, I'm not going to spoil Endgame for any of you if you haven't seen it yet. But uh, basically, Dave Gettleman is Thanos. Um, he's running off of this archaic thing thought process on how a team should be built and how it should be successful and thriving. Uh, this past off season, he snapped his fingers and got rid of amazing talent um, in Odell Beckham and Landon Collins. Um, and Olivier sure, Vernon. And Olivier Vernon. Can't forget about him. Um, and sure, they have like a sure franchise stud guy uh, like Saquon Barkley, who, uh we can call him like the Black Panther or the Spider-Man to carry Marvel over the next couple of years. But then they ended up drafting Daniel Jones at six, which I mean, he could be a stud. But value wise, um, I-, I related him to another Benedict Cumberbatch character and Dr. Strange. Um, <laughs> like he seems fine. Right over the coals. This episode. <laughs> My, my thing is, he seems fine, but is kind of vanilla, and you don't know if he's char- charismatic enough to kind of step in and uh, be one of the franchise leaders going forward. Um, but That's yeah, I, I think the the Giants, basically for the fact that they just got rid of a bunch of really good talent and are like, we're going to do it this way, but the rest of the league is telling them, no, that way is wrong and we're going to come back for your own end game. that's way more coherent
1: than mine. <laughs> uh, I like it, because it also opens the door then for casting all of the Avengers as Giants players slash other NFL entities.
2: I wanted to do that, but I wasn't going to make Eli Manning a superhero. Mm, that's fair.
1: That's fair. He could, <laughs> I'm trying to think who gets sacrificed real early in Infinity Wars. Gamora. It could be Gamora. Gentleman throws him off to keep his to keep his <laughs> legacy as long as alive as long as possible.
2: Them, um, Eli Manning is Gomorrah, and Eli Manning being sacrificed for the Soul Stone was when he got benched for Geno Smith, <laughs> <laughs> just for the hell of it, <laughs> just because he could.
3: Oh,
1: I love it. I uh, Clerk Burns, your second and, and team in, and video.
3: So I popped on the Sleepless in Seattle trailer <laughs> over the last Oh, man. Highly recommend. Break do it down for us. Do you remember Dave Chappelle? Is
2: he is in it? In, is it You've Got Mail? What? As in Con Air? As in
3: Con Air, Dave
2: Chappelle? He's who gets shot and thrown out of
1: an airplane?
3: <laughs> wow. I did Highly not- recommend hopping on YouTube so you can see how our parents reacted to the internet coming along with the lovely Meg Ryan and Tom Hanks uh, you know, chauffeuring you along. Okay. Uh, anyway, my second movie is also a Nicolas Cage movie staying on theme. Uh, and this movie reminds me of this team because it's just confused and stupid. Every Everyone in it does a really crappy job uh, and that team is the Tennessee Titans. And that movie is left behind. Nicholas Cage is an airline pilot who we are introduced to as someone who's about to cheat on his wife as he's flying out of town when his daughter is coming to town for her birthday to spend time with the family. Completely unlikable character. Uh, people just poof and disappear. And I understand we may not all be religious scholars, uh, but, you know, if you're just hanging out one day and the person next to you just vanishes and their clothes fall to the ground, I feel like one in 10 people might be able to go like, oh, shit, that's the Bible thing that they talked about. This is the rest. (laughs) Uh, The equally unlikely female lead uh, is really mean to her mom about being religious, uh, which is just rude because mom seems like a super nice person. And then uh, she's holding her brother in her arms, saying something kind to him. When he disappears, he she remains holding on to his clothes. And then throughout the movie is looking for him as if he has been kidnapped when he disappeared from her arms. Uh, this is kind of like the Titans. They got no idea what's going on. I really just saw this movie recently and just felt like I should share my thoughts with it. Uh, the Titans have a confusing offense. They're really not good, and I'm disappointed that I uh, watched this movie. Left
1: Behind. Uh, my my old roommate and I went through a Nick Cage bender, which everyone goes through, and watched all of his movies. And Left Behind was one of the last ones we saw because it was available on Netflix, and it was it it like from the from the description, it sounds great. It sounds like a um, like a Liam Neeson transportation thriller that <laughs> Liam loves to do now. But you're right, it's just it's just like Nick Cage surviving the apocalypse.
3: And they say that it's shot in New York for no reason, it's <laughs> clearly shot in like Alabama, like it's a bridge going over the Mississippi River. And it's okay. Which it is just,
1: just the best. It's like we're gonna shoot this in a rural city, but we're gonna fucking call it New York because that you can't figure New York is not iconic at all.
3: It didn't need to be in New York, it didn't pr- it didn't move the plot along in any way, like. This is a lot of bad decisions. And when I said I didn't enjoy it, that's not true. I actually really enjoyed watching this movie. It was just not good.
1: Uh, it was it was I do remember it being just like horribly bad. Uh, well, like horribly good. So bad it was good. There it is.
0: Uh Pete, I can't get past your your call out of Liam Neeson's violent transit films.
1: Oh, he loves it, man. What, I is this if I ever saw Liam Neeson on any kind of transportation I was on, I would immediately get off at the next stop because I knew some shit was of about road to rage. down. Sorry, Literally sorry. everything. He's coming out with a movie where he drives a fucking snowplow. <laughs> like then somehow that he needs to seek vengeance on on someone who killed his wife, and he's a snowplow person. Uh, I guy, lo- guy loves transportation.
2: I've never seen Left Behind, and I didn't realize it came out in 2014. But I just want to remark that his name in that movie is Rayford Steele. Um, just, of course, capping like a terrific run of great Nicolas Cage names in movies where, uh, so he plays Memphis Reigns and Gone in 60 Seconds, Cameron Poe and Con Air. Face off, he's Caster Troy. Uh, All, always perfect names coming from names. Nick Cage. You guys seen the, That's the- how he picks his scripts
1: exactly have you seen the i think it's a co- uh, college humor sketch or maybe it's uh funny or died where it's a sketch of Nicolas cage's agent and it's just and it's just how nick cage every time that agent calls about a movie to make nick cage just immediately says yes without hearing the plot and it gets to <laughs> like, like he just does like these horrible movies and they go through and they go through like every it's like uh, he and just just they just become more and more absurd. Like he does Schindler's List too, but from the Nazis' perspective, <laughs> some <laughs> shit like that. It's great. <laughs> I would highly recommend. After you watch uh, You Got Mail, the You Got Mail
2: trailer, just search just search Nick Cage's agent. It's hilarious. You know what? Phenomenal and in into the Spider Verse though.
1: So. Oh yeah!
2: Oh god! That was I'm cool. glad that was a yes from him. Yeah, I agree too. Well, he was because
1: he was initially cast to play Superman. He was going to, he like, there was a small time point in time where he was going to play a Superman, and then he did not get, he did not say yes to it or or didn't want to, whatever. Um, I don't think he got it because he named his kid his his kids named after Superman's actual birth name. Um, But so then he voiced the Superman in the Teen Titan movie, and then also voiced uh, the Spider Man.
0: Wait, is it, so did, did Clark, do you technically share a name with Nicolas Cage's son?
1: He shares the name with me. No, yeah. no, it's not. Oh, no, 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 it's no, no. Wrong birthday, Nicholas. Oh, is no. Superman's birthday is not Clark Kent. Like, it's z or whatever? It's, it's, God damn it, what is
2: it? Call L? Yeah, Call L. Call L. Wait, that's, is, that's what his, that is what his, his <laughs> child's name is, Call is L. It, is it Nicolas Cage's goth son or does he have a different son? I don't know. It's a good question. Look up Nicholas Cage's goth son, and then <laughs> we can talk about that at the end of the podcast.
1: <laughs> oh, man. This is why this is why football needs to have things actually happen for us to talk about. Otherwise, we just go off on the rails, which is, you know, who says no?
2: Off the uh, rails directly into the weeds.
1: <laughs> directly, head first. We, 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 sounds like you could easily make some drug references there. <laughs> Off the rails, into the weed. Anyway, uh, all right, my last movie and team, the Jacksonville Jaguars, Clark, this is, you talked about uh, how the Tennessee Titans are uh, a model franchise. I feel the same way about the Jacksonville Jaguars and their their 2019 season is going to be perfe- perfectly encapsulated uh, by the cult classic Monty Python and the Holy Grail. The Jaguars will start their 2019 season on a quest for the Lombardi Trophy, only to far, fall apart at every bend in the road and ultimately fail miserably in their quest. Nick Foles and his boy John D. Filippo will get caught up determining if Andrew Norwell is a witch or not. Brave, brave Sir Leonard Fournette will bravely run away from his duties in Jacksonville's three-headed running back committee, while Calias Campbell and Yannick Ngakwe and will be busily purchasing shrubberies uh, to go with the fans who say Duval's new pool uh Jer- jaylen ramsey will get the closest seeing the trophy atop the castle birdie and rush to claim his prize only to be met with hundreds of beautiful naked virgins they'll try to fight his way to the trophy but soon realize the sheer wonder of the club he is in before goddamn aj Boye shows up and drags him away kicking and screaming meanwhile tom coughlin is just going to be blowing shit up on the sidelines and worrying every team that comes near him about his jaguars and their big shot pointed teeth so there's the 2019 Jaguar season for that you. Good.
3: Really blown away by this Nick Cage's son research. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, love it. Um, so there you go. That was just me. I just wanted to get in as many uh, Monty Python references as possible.
2: I'm not going to lie. I watched Monty Python and the Holy Grail when I was like in high school. And it's been so long. Uh, I wasn't a fan. Ooh, sorry. That's my hot take. I just wasn't. I feel oh. like I, I feel like I need to watch it again though to see if I it it connects better.
0: God. Dude, there's this rabbit I'd like to introduce you to.
1: Damn
2: it!
3: The nope. Lakers
1: just secured a top four pick. That's bullshit. Anyways, sorry. Talking about the NBA lottery. Can they go backwards.
3: Old. What's up? Can they go backwards with the lottery.
1: No, so they start. Yeah, they start at fourteen, and then they go up. But but because of all of because of how things go, at a certain point, like it doesn't. It doesn't. You don't kind of like keep bouncing down in terms of record. You you can leapfrog. So like for instance, the Sacramento Kings, if they didn't get pick fourteen, they'd automatically get a top four pick. Anyway, sorry, I'm getting distracted.
3: Um, Ooh, um good looking guy. He looks like uh, Cal Drago here a little
1: bit. Oh, Nicholas Cage's son, Cal. Yeah. L. Oh, all right. He's well, in he pictures
3: has. with you know some very, very lovely young ladies. Mm-hmm. Looks like he uh, started off really hardcore goth and is uh, kind of recovering, <laughs> if Google image searches can be trusted. As a <laughs>
1: down. If that's the chronological order of they were taken. Yeah. Okay. Well, there you go. That's how the 2016 NFL season will play out. I think it's time for David Nick. Lots of thoughts. How long did that take you? How long did that take me? Not too long. My, uh, my, my, my views musical skills are exceptional. I don't know. It takes me like five minutes. That's so thoughtful of you. Oh, thank you. Well, it's got you got to be on brand. You got to you got to do this shit right. Um, So it seemed like most of America had very strong thoughts about this episode of of Game of Thrones. And not only this episode, but just the general direction and character arc of one Daenerys Targaryen. And I wanted to take this time, and I'm happy to talk about anything else that you guys want to, specifically about Game of Thrones, but I wanted to take this time to talk about this heel turn of Danny and defend the fact that actually, you know what? This has been coming for a long time and y'all need to chill it with this like freaking out about her character arc all show it's been building her crazy right she showed no remorse when her brother died she eats a fucking horse heart uh very calmly might I add in order to gain power she says multiple times that she's willing to burn armies and cities to the ground in order to claim what she's right what is she believes is rightfully hers so this isn't something that comes completely out of nowhere in in terms of her quest for destruction her quest her willingness to destroy and to kill and to use her dragons for for mass casualty that's not anything new and the callousness to which she does it with like she is a calculated cold calculated ruler and and at times is very loving and caring but when you wrong her when she feels wrong she makes a note of punishing you and that has been well established now she's also in the last season you know, in the last four episodes, she's lost all of the people who've, like, controlled her. Jora and Missandei both have died. Jora killed in the Battle of Winterfell. Missandei gets beheaded in front of her. So they're both dead. Jon no longer loves her uh, or is a lover. She, he, she loves him, uh, but Jon is no longer a lover because he's all creeped out with the whole aunt thing, not quite on the Targaryen level of, uh, of shit, incest um so she no longer feels like sean is in her camp Tyrion and Varys, her westeros guys haven't done shit for her uh and they've kind of screwed up every single good plan that she's had or, or has given her wrong advice at every turn she's had to the point where Varys is like actively been like i'm out and danny's like you're gonna get burnt so she's isolated doesn't trust anyone and then I think it's well established, too, that she doesn't feel accepted by the people of Westeros. She lost two of her dragons, half her army, and the element of surprise to take King's Landy to go help John in the North. And they couldn't have done it without her. And when the North is all celebrating about, hey, guess what? We survived death. No one celebrates Danny. They all celebrate John and now he's the hero. And Danny's like, Are you kidding me right now? What the fuck are you gonna do without me? She doesn't and she doesn't see the people of King's Landy. I don't think she sees them as innocent. I think she feels that they are. They were on the usurper's side when the Targaryens were overthrown. They're complicit in her family being removed from the throne. And so now the argument that people will make is, well, they rang the bells. They surrendered and all that kind of stuff. Two things on that. One, Danny was born in the fire. They make a lot of points about that, right? They talk about how she was born in fire. That's how she got her dragons and all of that kind of jazz. I think she believes in the cleansing power of fire. And so I think she wanted to burn King's Landy, cleanse it, and start anew, start afresh under her own image. And she mentioned as such, being like, the kids will rem- won't will you know will erase everyone so that they don't remember a tyrant, all of that jazz. Morse, I also think, and I don't know if this has actually crossed her mind, but this is an idea that I had, Uh, she knows John's lineage is out. The people know, the people of Westeros knows. Varys sent his little ravens to everyone. And I think the North is going to want, the North will rally behind John and say like, oh, he's got a better claim and all that jazz. Burning King's Landing sends a much stronger message to the people of Westeros than taking King's Landing by surrender. I have no idea if that actually played into her head while sitting on her dragon overlooking King's Landing. Maybe it was, maybe it didn't, but that's something to think about. I agree with the argument that yes, was this character descent too fast? It did feel a little rush. And I think that's more so about the show creation and the fact that they set, gave themselves a hard deadline uh, and wanted to make sure that everything kind of tied nicely in a bow. So they had to kind of quickly bring character arcs to the point where they needed to be in order for these things to happen. But don't pretend like this wasn't ultimately going to happen for her, like that they hadn't been building this for. S- seven seasons that she was unstable and maybe if her kind of uh comfort or or if the people her advisors all left her the people she actually respected they all left her "Mm," and she was left to her own devices maybe she would do some kind of questionable things so that was my that's my biggest thing that i wanted to say was just that danny's danny's it Danny made good life choices. Don't don't hate on her life choices, and don't think that they are like so out of character for her. I think they're pretty in character, albeit a rapid pace to that character.
2: Yeah, I think people are mad because they were on Team Daenerys, and they really didn't want to see her flip the switch because she's been teetering on the uh, the fence of madness, whether she was going to be saved or, you know. Descending into the darkness on the other side for a couple seasons now, and I contend to people that Daenerys was never a, a hero or was never a good a good person. Um, I think that I mean, yes, she freed all the slaves in Slavers Bay, and um, she was ruling in a way that she wanted to prove that she could earn the the trust and love of a certain group of people. Mind you, she was going for a politically savvy move, which is the largest group of people in Slaver's Bay, which happened to have been the slaves. But I just don't think she is a hero if you constantly need people in your corner that are tempering your worst impulses. Um, It just seems like, like you said, without Jorah, without Missandei, without um, two of her you know, quote unquote, children, it's pretty hard for her to make the right choice, which, uh, you know, you look at some other characters in the show, like my guy Davos, uh, he doesn't need any of that stuff. Um, You know, he kind of even forgot that he has a family, but he's always making the right choice no matter what. Um, So I think that's, I, I don't think she's ever shown any real marks of being a good person. And the people that are upset right now are just, they just wanted her to be, to end up being the hero in the end. And I don't think that was ever her her true destiny. Um, yes, of course, it, all this stuff feels rushed because we're only getting six episodes here. We got seven episodes last season. Um, you know, I could take 20 seasons, you know, every year from here in, per, in perpetuity, but that's not the reality of it. I think I made this point to some coworkers today that if you watch, my guess is, I haven't done this, but my guess is that if you watched all the episodes in Season 8 so far back-to-back, back, you just binge them. I think the descent into Crazy Town makes a lot more sense, and watching it from a week-to-week basis and having us like take a step away from all of it, it kind of resets our, our mind. But I think she's been slowly you know, descending into this, realizing that the people don't truly love her there. Um, whether that's conversations with Sansa, whether that's conversations with John, um, whether that's just marching into Winterfell at the beginning of the season and watching all these people stare at them in like disbelief like, who are these other people that are coming in to try to rule us? We've had years and years of war, and now we have another person coming in who's going to bring more death and destruction. And it, I think it's, it's, a quick turn and it was a quick build but at the same time I think the seeds have slowly been planted for the past five episodes for uh, time's sake I'll, I'll spare you guys my thoughts on, on Daenerys
0: but I uh, i had seen something floating around um, on Twitter that I, I did want to get your guys' take on um, was Varus poisoning her or trying to poison her at the beginning of the episode?
1: I With, think so yeah because she okay. wasn't Not eating sure. I think that was, I think that was ah. the whole thing where
0: he was I hadn't picked up on it. I, th- I thought he was, like, trying to get her to eat because then the, the, like, little bird came in and she was like, right. hey, she's not eating. And he's like, that's cool. We'll try again later. I took it as, like, well, we'll try to feed her again later. But then someone pointed out that, like, he might have been trying to poison her. I thought he
1: was trying because that was how yeah. I felt he was walking away from that conversation with Tyrion last episode where he was like, totally. hey, man, I'm going to do what's best for the realm. And Tyrion's like, "Yo, yeah. no, you better not fucking do that. And Varys is like, shrug emoji. I thought he was trying to kill her.
2: See, that helps my point about re-binge-watching all the episodes, because I totally mm. forgot about that. Um, I That makes sense, and Ferris kind of deserves to get flopped then. <laughs> like, he kind of caught that one.
3: Yeah. <laughs> I may be late to the game on this, uh, but apparently there's a thing that is <laughs> Nick Cage as every character in Game of Thrones. <laughs> ten of ten recommend taking a minute at work and looking this up. My my buddy,
0: tormenting his roommate, downloaded some uh, patch onto his computer where all of his icons changed to Nicolas Cage's face. And whenever he clicked on anything, it would generate a random sound bite from one of those movies. And he,
3: he couldn't figure out how to get rid of it. That's incredible. It so
1: incredible. That is incredible.
2: There just, are some of these that are so good. One time at my old job, I had a desk mate who went on vacation. So I printed out like a hundred, like one inch by two inch, like pictures of Nicolas Cage's face. And I like hid them and like all around her desk and taped them on their like coffee mugs. And like, she was finding little Nicolas Cage faces for months.
1: (laughs) Um, Quickly, before we go do you guys have predictions readily since this is season finale for game of thrones on, on Sunday. Do you guys have any thoughts as to how it will conclude?
3: I can't think straight with this.
1: <laughs> Cork is way <laughs> distracted by Nick Cage's every game of thrones character. That's how it's going to, that's how it's going to end. Evidently, Nick Cage is a master of the wearing faces. And at the end, they're all just going to take their faces off and be like, oh, shit, Nick Cage, you're the,
0: all of us. The many-faced god is really the Nicholas Cage. It's really just Nick Cage. <laughs> um, I don't necessarily want to make my – it seems too obvious. I, I mean, I think it's just going to be Jon Snow, but I'm, I'm rooting for everyone but Arya to die. Once I, once everyone signed off on Varys' execution, I was like, I, all right,
2: screw everybody burn burn this bitch yep i need my guy davos to survive sure um, yes i'm on board with davos (laughs) i've actually avoided trying to make predictions this season so i think it's helped me enjoy it a little bit more that's fair um because when the predictions go wrong then i'm then you just get like oh well why didn't this happen or why why did they set it up this way but and this is probably wrong because it is a prediction. I do think that Arya is going to do something wild with a bow and arrow just mm-hmm. because, I mean, right after she hit the game-winning shot in episode three, she was back in the gym putting up more shots, uh, shooting that bow. We caught her earlier in the season when Gendry <laughs> <Damn> caught her. <laughs> Jesus. If um, she kills John and drops them line at him,
0: that they uh, that they
2: had said while
0: they were shooting bows in the first season.
1: I just Clark is bombarding our Slack thread with photos of Nick Cage. You're it. welcome. <laughs> 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 I think I think that Arya is going to be the queen slayer and kill Daenerys. <laughs> That's why she had that uh, had Brand's Uber waiting for her to get out of out of burnt down King's Landing.
2: You know, people were mad that uh, Game of Thrones stopped subverting expectations, but I think they've definitely been subverting expectations this season, and it wouldn't be surprising if uh, Danny was actually the one that lived because she does have a giant WMD on her side.
1: (laughs) Clark, are there any pictures of Nick Cage as the dragon? Oh,
0: that's who she's going to bow and arrow to death.
1: (laughs) She's going to bow and arrow. But you can't bow and arrow Drogon with a yeah. That's the, She can. She can? Arya's going to just shoot a pedestrian arrow at Drogon and, and magically kill him.
2: So, a little history lesson here. And I believe Arya mentions this person in the first season as one of her, like, quote-unquote heroes. Um, one of Aegon the Conqueror's sister-wives who helped him take Westeros with a few dragons... Uh, Her name was Rainus, and she rode the dragon Meraxes, and Meraxes was actually taken down during a battle of Dorne um, by taking a scorpion bolt to the eyeball. Well, um, so Arya's very, I think she's very well aware that the eye is a weak part, but also that was a scorpion bolt, not a Right, that's a that seemingly a lot of But Ar- Arya's, Arya's accuracy has been shown to be pinpoint. pinpoint. So.
0: so, Jordan, that's awesome. That's an off- awesome, your, your references are sick, bro. Everybody knows that. Um, but, uh, Stannis' daughter, wasn't that the book she was reading to Davos? It was oh, about...
2: Um, was it the dragon's name, Meraxes? Yeah, oh, yeah. She was reading about the dance of dragons.
1: Yo, this could be some um, massive foreshadowing, Jordan. You might be onto something.
2: I also, I, I think I'm wrong though. I don't think, uh, I don't think, I don't think, I don't think no the showrunners any- care.
1: Um, I also just can't get over the <laughs> the cage is a dragon that Court just sent. All right, we're done. we gotta go. <laughs> we gotta go. <laughs> <laughs>
2: we're gonna tweet all of these out Um, (laughs) (laughs) a
1: little behind the curtain uh peeling off the piano curtain i am going to be traveling uh summer vacation bitches uh for the next three weeks so we may may not have a show we'll see during that time but most likely uh, we're going to take a three-week break um so make sure we'll be back kind of mid-june so you know Uh, Tune in then. Make sure to subscribe on iTunes and on Stitcher and on Spotify. I believe we're on. Um, And you can just do that. Fake teams. That's what we're under. Uh, Follow us on Twitter at RB1 Podcast. Follow myself at Pete M. Rogers. Follow Clark at NFL Clark. Jordan at Jordan underscore Smith 27. Nick at Ginger underscore underscore Nick without a K. Um, We'll be back next month. Maybe there'll be an episode in between. Who knows? Um, But... Enjoy, you know, end of May, beginning of June, and we will talk to you when we talk to you. Uh, Peace!